0: Hi, I'm Sean. I'm Renee. This is Hope in Crisis, a podcast series about rights and democracy and how technology enables or disables it. All right, so today we're going to talk with Tim Chen, and he is the chief organizer of Taiwan Homeschool and a founder of this uh, Taiwan Homeschool Advocates. I guess he's been doing this for a long time, has some kids, three kids.
1: Yeah. Homeschooled all them of- all. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. It is. I won't be able to homeschool mine.
0: <laughs> I have to admit that it would be terrifying to me to have to homeschool.
1: Your kids? Yeah. Oh. Like,
0: I would be afraid of, of messing up. Uh-huh. I would be afraid of, like, you know, you realize, okay, you do it for a year or two, and then you realize, like, your kid is way behind. Uh uh-huh. oh. Like, it's just, <laughs> <laughs> it, cause it just feels like cause it takes a while to be good at something. And right. And it, it would... Honestly, it would be intimidating for me to jump into something like that.
1: Uh-huh. So, uh huh. So, have you ever thought about what kind of education you want to give your kids?
0: I actually think about it a lot uh-huh. because you know, once you get out of university, you're like, woohoo, no more school!
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> and then you realize
0: that no, no, actually, the only thing you needed to take out of university is how to learn. Uh huh. And as long as you learned how to learn, okay, you'll be okay. And then you have to keep learning again, again, again. And then you sort of like, you sort of think, well, wait a second, like if what I was supposed to get out of education was how to learn, then can we get there faster? Like, is there a reason we have to do all this conditioning for 20 years, whatever, how, however long it is? Mm-hmm. And so then I always think about, yeah, like is there a better way of teaching people? Like I cannot possibly imagine that there's not a better way. Like we've been teaching kids the same way with this lecture format for, you know, what, 200 years, as, 300 years, something yeah. like that. Uh-huh. And so, I mean, I don't know very many things in this world that haven't changed in two or 300 years. And I don't think we got it right. Like, I don't think this is the best way of doing it because when I want to learn something, well, I don't go find somebody to lecture to me. I mean, that, that's the last thing I want to do.
1: Mm-hmm. I think that's a problem that most parents are concerned with. Like, we know that Learning how to learn is really important, but unfortunately, we're not taught how to learn yeah. in, in schools, especially in Taiwan. So I think that a lot of parents are worried that their kids may be dumped or polluted Yeah. at school.
0: I think it's the U.S. too. I mean, the difference in, from my limited experience is that in the U.S., they still have some freedom. Like you can still have some time to get in trouble, to go experiment, uh-huh. to figure stuff out. Uh-huh. Whereas in Taiwan, like they filled up your brain to the point where it's like they overflowing out of your yeah. mouth. <laughs> You're like information up to here.
1: You yeah, can't the most do common criticism Taiwanese education gets is that people fry up children's brain. Yeah. Uh huh. And also, um, do you know Sir Ken Robinson? He talked about how schools killed creativity.
0: Oh, it definitely does.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's a global issue. It's not a Taiwan-specific issue. Yeah. So luckily, we're going to talk to an expert today.
0: Yeah, he's done a lot of experiments, it seems
1: like. Uh (laughs) Let's hear him out.
0: Great.
2: Hi, I'm Tim Chen. I think mass education is the biggest crisis human beings have ever faced.
1: Today, we have Tim with us. Say hello to our audience.
2: Hello, my name is Tim.
1: Yay, we're happy to have Tim with us today. Uh, He is an expert in homeschooling. Do you have any idea of what homeschooling is?
0: I had a friend, my climbing buddy that I grew up with, and he was homeschooled. Oh, cool. Yeah, My mom used to always threaten homeschooling on me, but I never wanted to do it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Does that mean that you don't get to see your friends anymore? That's
0: basically what it was, yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> You're
0: going to be grounded. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so tell us more about homeschooling. Uh, what is it? Yeah. What is it in reality? And then what is the ideal, optimal type of homeschooling?
2: Well, homeschooling is a, is, is an education philosophy that uh, uh, parents take their uh, children and... Uh, uh, out of the uh, established school system, and then uh, design the curriculum and uh, pick the material and execute the the whole learning process. So it kind of it's actually the uh, the most uh, original way of learning if you look at from the human history because we all learn from home I'm and our parents. Uh, right and until maybe the sort of like late 18th uh, 19th century. When you started to have a mass education, first come out of the Prussia, and uh, part of it is to do with the Industrial Revolution that uh, mass manufacturing required knowledge workers. Well, back then, the knowledge worker means people who can read mm-hmm. the manual Literate. and and write key books and that kind of <coughs> thing. So, so that's the uh, the original preface for uh, in uh, mass education, and also for Prussian government, they need people who can. Mm-hmm follow particular value uh, as part of the state building process. And then uh, mass education is kind of take over the whole world and becomes the dominant and the mainstream uh, education and then homeschool become this sort of marginal uh, fringe um, extreme cases. Uh, but in since the sort of 1980s and uh, there's a comeback of home education that People are thinking about whether the mass education is really suited for everybody. And in our case, because we are international family, my wife is Polish, and uh, so we wanted our our children to be educated in the particular way we we value, and which is not uh, um, something that the, the Taiwan government would offer. And uh, there's nothing wrong with what they offer; it's just that uh, we want something different. So. So we decided to apply home education uh, our children um, since two thousand and three, when my oldest daughter turned six, and ever since. So we have three children, and then we've been homeschooling them since two thousand and three. Yeah,
1: I I agree partially that mass education is not the best for children, but um, are you? Do you have any education background or does your wife have any education background? Because when I think of homeschooling, the first idea is that I'm not qualified mm, for yeah. giving my children education.
2: Right. Uh, yeah, I am very uneducated, so I'm totally <laughs> not qualified either. Um, no, we all in some way uh, educated and in some way we are not. So I, I don't think education should be, um, education right now is, is considered a profession. But education is also a lifestyle. Education is also a family value. So if you look at the human history long enough and, uh, you know, we, we learned a lot of things uh, from people who do not have professional qualifications. Uh, we learned how to speak, not from a linguist, but from our parents and very often grandparents. Uh, we learn how to cook, definitely not from a chef, and uh, we learn from our parents. And uh, we learn how to walk, we learn how to ride a bike, and not from an athlete, and, but from our parents. So effectively, you can learn uh, from your parents a lot of things, especially the values. And also, um, most of the um, stuff you are teaching your children at the very beginning, um, whether it's uh, simple reading, writing, arithmetic, um they, those things do not uh, necessarily need um, a professional um, pedagogical training to do that. It can be done by anyone who um, basically has a passion and willing to do it. If you think hard enough, until very recently, most of our primary school education, uh, mo- most of our primary school teachers probably don't even have college degree. Um, they only have vocational high. Uh, uh, college mm. i e they are probably like high school mm-hmm. or high school plus one one year diploma so so we I mean most of us who have a, a college degree, I myself has two master's degrees and my wife has so uh, another master's degree. so we are we're, we're probably qualified to do that for for beginning, but most importantly is to train and to a condition to to allow our children to be able to learn by themselves. So it's not so much of I'm going to transfer the knowledge to my kids. Therefore, I have to know everything and then then I need to transfer that. But rather, I will teach them a way so that they can learn by themselves and then to find answers for themselves.
1: I feel empowered already. (laughs) Can
0: can you give us some sort of big picture understanding of homeschooling? Like across the world, what percentage of kids are homeschooled? Is it increasing, decreasing? Right.
2: Right. uh, 2020 is a very interesting time, uh, among other things. Before Uh,
0: 2020, okay, because I know everybody's homeschooled now.
1: Because now the majority of kids are homeschooled. (laughs) Everyone, like Zoom. (laughs) Except kids in Taiwan.
0: Zoom University, yeah. Right, right, right. So, yeah, so um,
2: 2020 at the height of the uh, homeschool craze, uh, if you go to UNESCO website and they have actually a, a, a map and a clock show you exactly how many people are home educated and I think at one point it was sixteen billion, so it was sixteen million. 16, uh, no, 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 one hundred sixty billion. So it's uh, it's a very big number. One hundred sixty million. Yeah, right. it's very very large number. So right. and uh, it it accounts for ninety five percent of the uh, world uh, school age population. So very very high. Yeah, because at at that point, only about five percent of the school age population are still attending. Regular schools Really? Yeah, it was that high It was very high So um,
0: Wait, let me get this straight So you mean This year This year, yeah Only 5% Only 5% of Students that could right. go to school Go to school The rest right. are all homeschooled
2: Right, right, right so I had no idea At a height At a height Of course, you know Over time it kind of kept Wait, better. is
0: this because of The coronavirus? It's because of the coronavirus Okay, okay So, so yeah. back up a year So mm-hmm. what did, ni- what did t- 2019 look right. like? Right,
2: so in 2019 uh, In 2019 uh, The uh, it depends on the country. So uh, the most the high the highest penetration will be United States, which has about three percent of its pop, uh, school age population are home home educated. So that that translates to about U.S. has about hundred million students school age students. So and uh, so that's about three million um, kids are home educated in Taiwan. Um, we have about, the the percentage is much lower, the, the penetration is much lower. So uh, last academic year, i.e. 2019 to 2020, uh, we started out with about uh, 8,000 homeschoolers.
0: That's oh. it. Yeah.
2: So, wow. but but that is still quite a large number because uh, if you think about, I mean, of course, we grew from like only four people uh, 20, 30 years ago to today. And... Uh, it's quite a large number consider uh, the, t- the number
0: of students not that that big in Taiwan so and what's the growth yeah. rate in that number like right. in the US for example has it always been three percent and then in Taiwan like I'm, I'm really curious in the sure, change sure yeah um,
2: the Taiwan has grown a lot uh, in the past five years so the the number of home educated students kind of uh, um, maybe uh, no. It it's it sort of like grow by four times in ten years. So um and then in, in the US number has been pretty much around the same between uh, two and a half to three million. So and and this year after COVID, I mean the number went up to about six million. And that doesn't count uh people who who were forced to homeschool because the school shut down, but it's only counting those who choose to homeschool. And so more people are choosing homeschooling in the U.S. now because they, for various reasons, and we can go into that later. And, but in, in Taiwan, um, the number is going up. Mainly, it's, it's driven by a few factors. One is the, um, the high school homeschoolers, which they are allowed to, to carry out uh, in Taiwan, uh, independent study and also getting a government grant. So you get uh, two thousand four hundred US dollars a year um, to spend on anything you want. So basically, you can upgrade your MacBook every year if you have to, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you should. And so, and, and 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 also that allows people from different kind of socioeconomic background to to
0: do that quite quite easily. I'd, I'd like to understand a bit more about your thought process so sure. when you decided to homeschool your is was it a, a daughter or a son the the first I have, one
2: i have i have the first one is a daughter okay
0: yeah. hmm. what was going through your head can you talk a bit more about like what were you afraid of mm-hmm. um i just love to know like what that conversation was like did you want it did your wife want it did you both come to the same conclusion mm-hmm. yeah
1: and and how important is the factor that you are having a international family? Because mm-hmm. in my imagination, I think maybe you want a part of what Taiwan people are learning and then a part of what Polish people are learning and then some different cultures, some different languages.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think the two questions are combined together. And it's it basically you go through. It's quite it's actually a very natural process because at the beginning, when we... Um, I when we came back to taiwan in 2002 uh before that i spent years in in the uk mm-hmm. and and u.s my my daughter was born in the u.s and then we moved to uk and we wanted a part-time kindergarten for her when she was five but we couldn't get one in taipei for some reason everybody wanted to keep their kids at
0: the kindergarten for as cool. long as possible okay. yeah this was insane my son grew up well he was born in la grew up here and kindergarten was from 9 a.m. to like, I think it was 4 30 or yeah, something. Yeah,
2: yeah. And, and and they were surprised that we we'll, we'll only wanted half day. Is it why? Is it we'll charge you the same? I, said, uh, but <laughs> I don't care. I, <laughs> I just want him out. <laughs> we did the
0: same thing. My wife would pick him up every day at noon. Right. Yeah, it's the same. Like I, I said, I don't care about the money. It just makes no sense for a kid to be in school for So you said
2: nothing has changed in 20 years. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, wow. ba- so basically, so at that time we were saying, oh, But we don't want to because, you know, my wife's Polish and she wants to continue Polish language and and cultural tradition at home. So she she want the kids to have a socialization environment in in kindergarten and -hmm. and learn something. But she doesn't want her to spend all the time in kindergarten. But couldn't get that in Taipei. So she said, oh, you know, and she she's a trained Montessori teacher. So she said, "Okay, so we're going to buy some material and then we're going to set up a kindergarten at home. Why not you know, so so she did that, and after one year, uh, my daughter turned six and she was going to but go. How,
1: how old is your youngest now?
2: Uh, 10.
1: Oh, yeah. okay. So, is your home kindergarten closed?
2: Um, I am
1: thinking about you know sending my son to your home <laughs> kindergarten because I'm not a I was gonna ask, like, sorry, Is this teacher. an actual kindergarten yeah. that you're
0: accepting students? It's
1: exactly, right.
0: <laughs> we're, we're accepting students. That's pretty
1: cool. I am not a trained Montessori anything I don't know how to teach my kid
2: yeah we accept those who are on my household registration
0: so <laughs> <laughs> really? okay so it's just okay so you it was your foster, own can be
1: foster dad I don't care
0: okay yeah. sorry about that no Go no uh, yeah. like so because we were looking at Montessori and then also the Waldorf one yeah these two I thought were interesting mm-hmm. um, but when I looked at them I was like no they basically Taiwanese this Montessori school mm-hmm. so like it was like you still had to do the homework, you still had to cram things in their, their heads, like they're still trying to teach math to a three year old. Right. Which is like, so
1: By building blocks, right? They no
0: like straight up math I mean it was really yeah yeah like, that's
1: not a sorry
0: I know it's not supposed to be
1: right okay. yeah
0: well they you can
2: do the pink towers and stuff like that and then the, the number of rods oh that stuff's and, great yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Right. but that's not what they were doing oh okay so they are doing beyond I mean not uh, away from deviate from that yeah okay okay yeah. right right um, yes it's uh, it's part of localization you know I mean it's uh, you have to tailor to, to the local taste <laughs> otherwise uh, you'll be market out of the you know, this place and which is unfortunate. But yeah, anyway, we, so we decided to, and after a year we said, oh, okay, it's not that hard. And then it comes to the time to go to primary school. Uh, sorry. uh, And then we, we went and visited the school. And then I found that the, the school looked exactly the same as when I was growing up. Um, you have a, as a classroom with teacher in the front, blackboard behind kids there sitting in rows and little, little desk, little chair. Um, spend like about one-fifth of your time in school um, just lining up yeah, to do something. Yeah. And then another fifth of time is waiting for somebody else to finish whatever they're doing. And then, so you get about um, maybe you're lucky two-fifths of your time actually doing any learning. But even if you are there learning, uh, it's very passive. You've been told you, you don't have time to think, to explore, to, to, to play. Um, so we said, um, well, since we already finished you know, Mon- uh, Montessori home, uh, homeschool kindergarten for one year, we might as well continue doing it. So we applied to the Taipei city government and then got permission to, to, to not to send the kids to school and, and still be recognized for what we're doing. So it's accredited home education in Taiwan. And, then, and since then, we just continue doing it until she finished high school.
0: Can I ask a dumb question here? Definitely. Like, no dumb question. Okay. Please go ahead. Like, what is the accreditation? Like, why does it even matter? Um, it is a dumb question. Um, <laughs> is, why does it
2: matter? Yeah. He, okay.
1: He didn't say my question was dumb.
2: <laughs> Big, okay. So, in, in Taiwan, yeah. um, without uh, qualification, uh, you pretty much can't do anything. Uh, you need a accredited qualification to do just about everything. And so so it's very important. Like if you lay, So for instance, if you want to go on to um, university, mm-hmm. you need to have an accredited high school diploma. I mean, you can get a GED by passing a test, but you have to wait until 20 years old to do that. And then if you want to go to high school, you need a uh, middle school diploma. And again, you can pass a GED, but you have to wait until seventeen to do that. If you don't have a school record, yeah. And if you want to go to a middle school, you need a primary school diploma to do that. And again, if you don't have a diploma, you need to do a GED, but you have to wait fourteen until you do that, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So everywhere you go, you need a diploma. Um, I teach at Tsinghua University now as a as a part time lecturer. They're asking for my diploma from thirty years ago, and. Basically, you do anything. You go to a new job interview, you go to <laughs> apply for any position, they want a diploma. Yeah. And this is a diploma-hungry society. So yes, you need accreditation, you need diploma. That's just the way it is. Um, mm. It. Uh, but later on, people don't really look at it. They look at your experience and, 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 and quality and so on and so forth. But uh, It's
0: they, a
1: requirement.
2: They always ask for a diploma. Yeah.
0: So you had to... Get accredited. Otherwise, you basically your kid had no future in right, schools, huh?
2: Right. Well, the two part one is is a part of, is, is a compulsory education in Taiwan. So you have to attend school. Otherwise, you you'll be fined. Is this the same in all countries? Like the U.S., it's compulsory too, right? Right. Okay. Uh But U.S. is a is a is a federal system. So uh-huh. um, fifty states have a fifty different rules yeah. about home education. Yeah. So about fifteen of them have zero application requirement. So basically, it's just um, parents say, I don't want to send my kids to school. And that's all they have to do. Mm -hmm. And of course, um, by doing so, uh, kids don't get recognition, don't get any um, accreditation. Um, But U.S. higher education, because it's such a loose federal system, U.S. higher education are more used to dealing with people coming in with all sorts of different diploma or not diploma. And so it's more, there's more flexibility in that regard. And uh, in the UK, um, again, you can just say, I don't want my kid to go to school. And then you don't, and you don't, you don't get any degree, uh, but that's fine. If you later want to get a job, not all the job, look at qualifications. But in Taiwan, almost every single job opening has a qualification attached to it. Even for, I mean, the, the the most minimal manual job, there is, you know, high school above and something like that. So it really depends on the country where you are in and uh, whether they they value or they demand qualification or not.
0: Another dumb question. Why I promise does... I won't say it dumb. No, that's no, okay. It's okay. <laughs> I'm never afraid of dumb <laughs> questions. Why does the, the government care so much about education? Like, what is it about education that... That that they sure. want to. You
1: mean Taiwan's no, government? just like
0: in government general. general. Yeah, okay. it's like what the heck, you know? Uh, it's a, it's a, it's actually not a dumb question.
2: It's seriously, and and yeah. it's it's a two things. Uh, one is that uh, education is um, some people say it's a um, it's a common good. So that means that if government provided and uh, and which allows. Um, a uh, citizen to be able to read and write and understand the law, vote or not, and pay taxes, uh, which allows easier to govern. Mm. And the other is uh, indoctrination of ideology. So uh, if your government is a liberal government and they want to indoctrinate liberal ideas, and they, they can do that through school system. Likewise, if it's a very theological, uh, theological government, very conservative government, and they can do the same through education to do that. And by indoctrinating the citizen through a common value, it makes it a lot easier to govern. So it is in the government's interest to provide free education uh, for long-term benefit, make
0: a whole bunch of cities are much easier to govern. Like do we know this? Like have, we, have there ever actually been an experiment where you have two countries, one that says, hey, you know, you have to go to school whatever K through 12, the other says knock yourself out, see what happens.
2: Um it would be hard to do it because it's unethical and you cannot just just go through a, gov- a country in the middle and then and do that. But, but so like take just, these states. Yeah, so, okay, like,
0: look at the United States. Like right. do you know a state that says very lax, another state that's very strict.
2: Right. Um, You can look at it, uh, it, again, it's not scientific Mm -hmm. because um, these kind of choices are made uh, Mm self-select. So, in in certain states, um, uh, Midwestern states um, in the South um, where uh, home education are are much relaxed and uh, Texas, Oklahoma, um, Utah and, and so th- there are people who just choose not to go to school, and then and then you you kind of grow into um, a culture of um, more um, one. On one hand, is they are more self dependent; they are more they they don't rely on the state. And on the other hand, they also grow a a, a powerful um, value system to what. Um, um, the country as a whole would like to see where it's going. So, um, but but then again, they are self-select. They they are not. Um, I wouldn't call it scientifically. Yeah, it's hard to you know, know
0: cause and effect, right?
2: Right, right. It's hard uh, to you know whether those people are doing it because that's what they are, yeah. or because they're doing that, so therefore yeah. they are thinking the way like that. Um, but do you have any yeah. sense?
0: Like, if you had to, if you had to say one way or the other, sure. like, do you think government should be so insistent upon? The common education, or do you think sure. it should be more experimental?
2: Um, I, being a being a home, educate, uh, home education advocate and experimental education advocate, of course, I'm 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 all for uh, more open and, and liberal uh, education. I I think that government should provide um, basic education, and government should should make education choice. as uh, as something that um, everyone's entitled to. But I don't agree that the government should uh, detect uh, or to describe what that education is. And so at the moment we are looking at uh, through national curriculum, through, uh, I myself is also sitting on the Taiwan's national curriculum review board. So I'm one of the 48 people who decide what kids will learn in the next 10 years. So if you don't like it, I'm only responsible for about two percent, two point two to be precise. Um, so the uh, so so basically, I think that is a bit too far, too descriptive. And uh, and what education, what public education should be, it should be something that when a parents fail to provide, and uh, and in the interest of children. That we need to intervene. Otherwise, um, I think it can be left largely to the parents to do.
0: Um, So, you think more parents would actually like to homeschool their kids if there wasn't? Yeah, yeah, given the choice, huh? Given the
2: choice, yeah. I think they will be. And uh, of course, that's subject to a lot of other factors, such as whether they can be free from their other daily chores, such as. work or homework. Yeah. You know,
1: so right. I agree that education is valuable. I think um, education is helpful and beneficial for general citizens. But I am thinking that maybe this debate can be less bipolar. It's not like, oh, we, are we choosing school or no school? Because for me, I understand that mass education is dumb and then it's dumbing people. And I don't like it. I don't want my kid to be like given... Um, so much information. Uh, Like, I feel that students are just being downloaded a lot of information and then they are not encouraged to learn on their own. But at the same time, I don't have the luxury to teach my kids. I have to work and then I have to do my jobs. So is there anything in between? Is it like a spectrum? There there is a thing
2: called COVID. When COVID comes, everybody walk at home. (laughs) <laughs> then you can teach your kids and and, and work at the same time. Seriously, that's, that's what happened. Look at just look at United States right now. I mean, like many
1: people are failing; like they're it, they're not having a good time. No, no, just,
2: I'm I'm pa- partially s- joking, but partially serious. Okay, COVID hit, and it hit education so hard that we are actually seeing um, there is a homeschool gap. And before we talk about digital divide and other things, but then when this thing hit, you, you realize that uh, for people who are in the sort of like white collar work and who can remote work easily, and they can literally balance whatever their daily duty from home and together with supervising kids, learning also, um, teaching them, supervising the homework, sure everything, and then they have the bandwidth and the infrastructure to support that whole learning process. And homeschool work for them great.
0: I think that's probably a myth. Like my brother is going insane. <laughs> like, and his wife, like... That's what I was going to, to say. To do. I don't
1: have too many friends so who are balancing their work and life right, right so, now during COVID-19. Um,
2: I'm talking about um, the uh, there's such a setup. Okay. But I'm not talking about the capability of the individual mm. who oh. can handle it.
1: Okay. okay. Okay.
2: So, so whether you can do that, you're is, saying like the environment could right, allow for this, right? Now, whether they have the, the infrastructure, skills. right? Whether they have the skill, or whether they have the mindset, or whether they have mm. the the, uh, the heart, <laughs> uh, <laughs> not try to. I don't mean no resp- no disrespect to your brother. That I'm sure he, he loves his kids, and uh, <laughs> but maybe just not in the pedagogical way. So, and it, it just basically um, they are not used to teaching yeah. or, or put on the heart of as a teacher so so that take time to train and, and, and to acquire I, I must say you know teaching is a quiet profession you have to to appreciate that and but on the other hand you have people who are who have to go out and work uh, manual worker or or essential workers as, as they are they are called and um, with a nurses doctor or whatever and then they they have to go out and work they have to be in the crowd they can they have to leave their kids behind and do that. And and for them, that's not even an option. The so home education is just totally not an option. So to answer your question, uh, sorry for going wrong. And it's that um, there has to be a fundamental change in terms of the way we work uh, to accommodate uh, bigger uh, home, ed- home education. And uh, COVID is kind of a test bed for that. And, and some people find it workable, others find it not. And some people, even though it's workable they choose not to do it because of out of their own interest um, or mental health and they don't want to get driven insane by the kids and I respect that so um, yeah that's fine and uh, but to, to move it forward um, you need to change uh, one need to change uh, the
0: way one works and if one is uh, has that privilege to do that Tim can I back you up for a second. So we've been talking in terms of home, like homeschooling or public government schooling. I guess like hearing Renee and what's racing through my head right now is, is your vision of the future for education that there's a whole spectrum of ways that kids learn and that's what we have to get to? Or is it that, no, it still stays in these two kind of barbells, these two extremes. And we just need to give parents significantly better tools that want to homeschool. Is that that fair? Yeah, Yeah.
1: and and I think that's where experimental education comes in.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, um I— I, I drew a, a diagram and I mean sorry this is a radio so you can't see what I'm doing I'm going to wave my arms and I just, just close <laughs> your eye. We have a very and,
1: beautiful keynote here. Right, right.
2: <laughs> close your eye and picture this. Um, so if you imagine this on on, uh, on the sort of like the uh, the horizontal axis the, that's the x-axis for those who are math inclined and uh, so on the on the right hand side you have the education freedom on the uh, on the left hand side you have the government control. So at the very beginning, um, when in school school when schooling was only available at a school, um, every schools are government control, whether it's public or private. In the case of Taiwan, uh, even private schools are have to is subject to the same national curriculum, etc. On the extreme right, uh, no pun intended, and you have the home education, whereby um, you have the um, uh, parents can decide whatever they want to teach and the children are free to learn anything, uh, deviate away from the, the national curriculum, et cetera. And, and parents say, I don't want any government support, I don't want any government supervision, just leave us alone. And uh, you know, it's my kids, my responsibility, thank you and go away. So you have those two extreme cases. Uh, and in the middle, uh, you start having experimental education. So in case of Taiwan, the, 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 on the right-hand side occupies three s- spaces. The the very right is the home education, or we call it individual, non-school based experimental education, and and slight and left to that is what we call a group, uh, non-school based experimental education, which sometimes referred to like homeschool co-op, and that's whereby a group of parents who like-minded individual uh, up to thirty students can group together, and then apply uh, to be taught and in the same space at the same time
0: and uh, using following the same curriculum. And then where is like Montessori or Waldorf in that spectrum?
2: Okay, so uh, Montessori and Waldorf will be occupying left to that. That will be the, uh, what we call institution, non-school-based education. So, and then they are uh, established by NGOs. And so they... uh, and, and, but they have a much, much looser uh, requirement from the char, uh, from the, 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 the private school, and they can be set up in more, you know, different places, not necessarily in the school ground. And then le- left to that, so right in the middle between the school and, and non-school um, is the what we call school-based experimental education. So those will be your uh, public or private experimental school. Like in Taipei, there are some primary and uh, middle school that is publicly run experimental school.
0: What does it mean to be experimental? You keep using this word, but can you... Right, okay. What does the government mean by this? Right.
2: Uh, Experiment basically means that you can deviate away from whatever rules that regulate the school. You can break the rule. That's what experiment is.
0: Oh. Yeah. So like the government thinks they have the theory, it's figured out. Right. And then what you guys are doing is just kind of... Hey, let's go tinker, let's go experiment. It's like right. a sandbox. Uh, yeah, for, you for
1: can, educators. You can, and...
2: you can call it, yeah, it can be a sandbox tool. Uh. yeah. Mm. My yeah.
1: friend's kids go to an experimental primary school, and I just love what they're showing on Facebook. <laughs> I feel bad for saying this, but um, I think the
0: framing of this is actually problematic. Mm-hmm. What parent wants to run experiments on their kids? I mean, that uh, seems uh, kind of strange to me. I mean,
2: you know, maybe parents like myself, we've we've been doing that for the past. But t- like, <laughs> if you took somebody
0: like Renee and you yeah, said, "Hey, yeah. you know, let let's go experiment with your kid," I I, I don't know. Like,
2: it's to do with the vocabulary. In, yeah, it's it's I, it's the terminology. I think,
1: yeah, yeah, I think there's something lost in translation. Mm, yeah, yeah, try, try, yeah, try it. Try, try, what is try the Chinese? Say you know, try try Chinese, innovation. Yeah. yeah, what is in Chinese? How, how about innovative? Like innovative school, and then you have innovative curriculum. In Mandarin, it's shi that's right. right. But I think what it really means Uh is not experimental. It means innovation. It means that, oh, we're doing something new? We have identified what's wrong with traditional education, and we want to do this, but we're not sure how positive the outcome can be. But it's new.
0: Well, you better be damn sure it's going to be good. I mean, you have to at least market it (laughs) as as good. (laughs) But you only no get one, can, one chance.
1: Yeah, uh, but no one, no one can promise you that. But not you not even I mean, high schoolers, that's, that's like, right?
0: That's that's marketing. Is you're promising something you know
1: well, <laughs> that you can't you, deliver on. I mean,
2: what what you are saying is also some uh, some of us who are in the sort of experimental education has been um, uh, found it very irritating. Like, we call yeah. them
0: charter schools in the U.S., right? Mm-hmm. Like a charter to me feels like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like. I get that. You guys have a certain set of governance that's different than somebody else. Yeah,
1: so
2: you break the rule. Basically. Is it the same?
1: Yeah. Well, you,
0: you make your it own is. rules. Okay, yeah, it's so exactly. You know yeah, that
1: Elon yeah. Musk has set up new schools, right? Yes. Okay, so if he, in set, Taiwan, yeah, if he set it up in Taiwan, Ziyang then called that's called an experimental yeah. school. That's it. Yeah.
0: yeah, I just think like it's like to call it an experimental school is like it's, well, okay, it's you derogatory have to, I feel
2: it, okay so I mean I, uh, I how can I say I, I'm i not going to go in I mean I can sit here and, and debate about the merits of the mm-hmm. terminology and uh, for you know I don't know whether you guys have
0: well my point is I, <laughs> I feel like you feel this is really important that that these experimental schools are very important to society to government I mean is that safe to say like that's that's why you're here right it's a term yeah
2: you can. It's a label, and uh, some people find it offended, and some people find it ne- value neutral. Some people get excited about it.
0: What's your take on it?
2: Well, I think it's cool. You like it? Yeah. Okay. I mean, like uh, some people would say, an uh, N word is a it's a is a derogatory word. So mm-hmm. you know you can use it. Mm-hmm. But for certain community, mm-hmm. it's an empowerment. Mm-hmm. Why why can't I call myself experimental education? Okay, so you've taken this
0: word and you've been like, okay. Right, yeah. That's what I am. Interesting.
2: And uh, I think we should do that because there's a reason why it's called like that. Yeah. Um, It it derived from uh, the word experimental education has been around since 1913 in the statutory. I mean, it's way back when the the RC government was still in China. So it's nothing new. Wow. uh, it's been around for a long time, and uh, at the beginning, and then you go back even more recent, like fifty years ago, uh when they come to Taiwan, they set up the uh, the national Normal university um and other teachers' college, there's always an experimental school experimental primary mm. all this kind of thing was set up uh why by the, the government or by, by the it? government because they want to Try something innovative, like funded. Renee said. Yeah. Try something innovative in the school system, and then deviate away from what is established. So, so experimental education in Taiwan actually have a certain cliche, and it's actually a slightly above the average. So you know, like in the uh, the one of the the more prestigious private school. I uh, should, should I should not uh, make the uh, the advertisement for them. Uh they used to call Yan Primary, and Xiyuan High School, and the experimental primary experimental high school. And Sidafu uh, uh, National Normal University uh, high school was also Xiyuan and in a science park where one of the, the most prestigious high schools in, public high school in Taiwan. Um, it's called mm. So the National Science Park in Xinzhu Experimental High School. So in Taiwan, uh, it's not so derogatory, And uh, it, mm. the word experiment, it simply means that uh, we're trying something uh, away from what is standard, what is normal. And uh, of course, it suggests uh, it's a short term, it's uncertainty. Uh, it's probably not going to work because experiment always failed and, uh, and or at least try to find out why it wouldn't work. Um, but on the other hand, it also means that it's innovative, it's bold, uh, it, it's there to be different, it's not following the tradition. So if that's what the kind of education the parents want the kids to have, then they should accept it. And unfortunately, not all the parents understand this. They, they send their kids to experimental school and they still expect a predictable outcome. And they are looking at experimental school as a way uh, to solve all the problems that traditional school cannot solve, and which is wrong because, again, it's experiment. Uh, there's always uncertainty. There's always things that we cannot control.
0: So like if you had to summarize... The strengths and weaknesses of this experimental school. Like, what do you think are the top two or three strengths? What are the top two or three weaknesses?
2: Would you like the opportunity and threat, and let's make a SWOT? <laughs> that,
0: that sounds cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm actually really interested in what all the alternatives to this. Like, is it really like you have uh, this this X axis? Well, what's the Y? What's the Z? Okay. Yeah. Like, and, what's and going on here?
1: Before that, I have a question. So, in the twenty years. With three of your kids, has any one of them decided or or, or thought about in any of the year that, oh, I want to have some different experience, exper- experience. yeah, I want to experience what schools are like in Taiwan, or has any of them offered that, maybe I should do this for one semester?
2: Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, Renee's question is easier, the answer is no. <laughs> Uh, Yeah. So no, uh, right. And so yes, because for
1: me, I think that um, between homeschooling and um, traditional schooling, experimental school or Montessori is great because I can trust someone to teach my kids when I am not um, professionally or mentally qualified to teach my kid. And what I'm thinking right now is world schooling. I, I'm going to travel with him to different cities. And then um, he gets to exper- experience what education is in different countries or in different languages. So my ideal is that he goes to school. So I have my free time. I can work or I can meet other people. I can create my different experiences. What is the word experience? <laughs> I get I, I I com- no no experience. I get confused with experiments too much. So, anyways, um, I I want world schooling to give him and me different experiences during school hours. Mm. So, what great question.
2: Think? I want to park that and come back to that. But I want to answer your question before I f- forget, which actually
0: I already forget. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's the SWOT analysis. But Thank what you. I really want to know yes. is just like. Yeah. Strength, like, weakness. Okay.
2: Yeah. Um, the strength of experimental education, of course, experimental education occupies a very wide spectrum. So remember, it's X axis, so it's a whole range of things. Um, but I think the strength of experimental education is that uh, it allows um, students with a different uh, learning style. Uh, again, it's a controversy topic. Some people believe it's bullshit and there's no such thing as that, but mm. others right um, students with different learning style can find a match on the spectrum um, if we look at the uh, the, the um, uh, so learning hierarchy again close your eye and picture there's a triangle in front of you and uh, there are three layers of triangle okay at the bottom um, you have what we call pedagogy that's what education means and then in the middle you had the Androgogy Which is adult education That's what people do And then on top There's a term called Huta Which is a, a term That you have to google Because yeah, I never know that yeah, yeah I never heard yeah. of that <laughs> Recently So What is that? Huta I'm going to explain that
1: Oh okay <laughs>
2: <laughs> So On the On the On the left hand side On the right hand side You have What we call The um, School systems And uh, So The lower The lower it goes The wider the triangle base is is the most structured and so whereby teacher instruction have a strong command and the institution are very rigid the higher you go is less structured teacher have, is there less command and the institution is less organized on the right hand side you have the students the learners on the bottom they are less matured mm-hmm. okay and they are more dependent on the outside to give them guidance and direction. Mm-hmm. A higher goal is that they are more matured and they are more independent. Mm-hmm. Okay, So everyone is different. Because of our background, because of our personality, etc., um, we develop somehow at a different level. And there's nothing better or worse, it depends on which level you are. Just that you need to find the right matching point, mm-hmm. whereby... If you are very independent, uh, very self-direct, self-determined learner, if, I, if one put you in a learning environment whereby it's highly structured and teachers are very directive and very demanding, you are going to be miserable. You are not going to learn very well. Vice versa. Okay, you really need somebody to give you guidance and tell you exactly what to do tomorrow and give you assignment, clear assignment today. And then we give you a school Environment or non-school environment, experimental education, whereby it's totally free, and then every day you come, the first thing they ask you is, so "What would you like to do today?" <laughs> and they say, "What the heck do I do?" I my mom paid tuition, so you can tell me what to learn, yeah. and you know this kind of conversation will keep going forever. So, the the strength is that we're going to create a possibility for more people to find a way education that fit uh, who they are, and, and to be able to shine and be able to learn and uh, and the weakness of that is you may end up in the wrong place and unless you very clearly know what kind of education suits you okay because most of people don't have enough um, knowledge or or information to make a decision on education
1: and how important are parents in this decision making process like you said that most people don't know uh, where they belong, but in fact, most parents don't know where their kids belong. So, if my kids is only six or seven, it's partly my decision for him for his future. Right?
2: Until he's twenty, you are responsible okay. in Taiwan.
1: Right, right, right. So, so, so I think that parents are very important in this process, and then um, parents should be educated.
2: Right. So the challenge for parents is that they themselves had grown up in a sort of like monolithic uh, education environment. They didn't have to think. I mean, they are at the bottom of pyramid. Taiwan was a very stru- highly structured. Teachers has a in- tremendous power over you, and then you just follow the regulations, follow the rules, You just learn whatever they tell you to learn today, and you just follow it. So it comes, you know, twenty years later, thirty years later, your kids come along, and then. And all of a sudden, all these choices in front of you and you have no idea how to choose because, like you say, uh, you have to know what your kids has, what's their style and and you have to know what's good for them. And that is a challenge. And that is something the parents have to spend time and effort to to appreciate, to understand it.
0: Is there an easy test for this? I mean, Uh, I think I know what my kid is. Like, if you asked me, I would put him in a place. I think I could do it. But I'm just curious. Like, are, is is there like a personality type test where you can? I think it's best put by a
2: sprinkle Justice once said uh, on the topic of pornography. And you know it when you see it, huh? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think that's true here. Yeah. For yeah. a lot of parents, intuitively. Yeah. I mean, like like you said, I mean, I, I just know my kids, whether they are self-direct or they they just need a lot of directions and you should be able to spot that and Rene maybe if you find finally struggling doing that
0: um, one spend more time with your kid exactly
1: (laughs) thank you no 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 no. I know (laughs) what kind of I can say it (laughs) I know what kind of learner he is yeah I just don't think I am the educator that he needs
0: oh this is different like (laughs) okay like I'm I'm okay with outsourcing the birth of my kid to a doctor exactly right? that's, like that's
1: why I'm looking for schools that's good, right? right that's, that's but why but like the question
0: is just like what what outsource do you want to have like okay. is there a one size fits all
1: right right right, right? So, or is there so not? my question is that home facing for the,
2: my son though
0: but uh, that's, that's, it doesn't that's surprise that's, me <laughs> <laughs> I cut the cord. <laughs> I cut the cord too, but the doctor held it. Uh, <laughs> oh, I did it before we're midwife very competitive <laughs> right now. <laughs> no, I'm just like.
1: Right, like I know. This. I know. So, um, when given a diversity of choices, yeah. I just want to make sure that I uh, can make the right choice for him. Because I know that I'm not a homeschool type of mom.
2: How do you know if you never try?
1: I know <laughs> I tried teaching so yeah uh, I, I was a I was a teacher right Uh huh. and I don't enjoy teaching
2: but how did you teach because there are different way of teaching did you try different way of teaching
1: I think that I am made for other jobs <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that so, was the end
2: of the conversation okay.
1: <laughs> 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 no 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 I want him to be well-educated. So so uh, that's why I asked about how to make the right choices or how to make better decisions. Uh-huh.
2: Yeah, so again, um, what your kids are, I mean, by observation, by spending time with them, you pretty much know whether they are lean forward or link back mm-hmm. kind of learner. And uh, then from there on, it's easy. You just need to figure out, you just need to see, see through the marketing material of different ex- experimental education and figure out really what kind of, you know, joint they are running. Because remember, it's more to do with whether the teachers are very command-oriented or whether they really are free to let the kids to, to, to grow.
1: Um, I also know that homeschoolers usually swap kids, right? Like, I really don't you know it made it
2: sound very kinky, <laughs> but... <yes. laughs>
1: <laughs> but you get you get my idea. So I cannot discipline my I, I'm son. I'm still trying to
2: picture that. <laughs> no
1: I cannot discipline my son, and he knows how to get what he wants from me. Oh, right, and so but I can discipline other people.
2: Uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so and, the and hypothesis and he, is that education must be through the, the door of discipline. <laughs> oh,
1: okay, we define discipline very differently because I am certified for uh, positive discipline. And it's it's just a problem with wording, right? Um, Again, experiment, yes. Um, yeah. Right, right, yeah. right. But, I mean, it's even very difficult for me to ask him to sit here away from the TV for 15 minutes. So
2: Maybe he's not born to sit there away from TV. That's his destiny. Let him watch <laughs> until he drops. <laughs> Mom, get that thing out of my face. <laughs> I don't want to watch it anymore.
1: I try that because I think um, when you forbid something, you're actually creating lust. Exactly. Luck. Yes.
2: Yes, Genesis. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Right, but anyways, I think outsourcing is um, one of the better options for me and for him. So that's and also I think that um, if you have to decide whom you're outsourcing this to, it, it's a huge decision. But the other way around is that you can give him different experiences every year, so he gets to. Try different systems, different cultures, and different languages.
2: Okay, I remember what I want to tell you about. Okay, your world thing. schooling. Yes, world schooling. Um, homeschooling is a lifestyle. It's mm-hmm. not an education choice. It's a lifestyle choice. So basically, when, once you are homeschool parents, um, you are uh, you and your kids are almost uh, uh, the one. So you, um, we do everything with our kids. Basically, you know, you wake up in the morning, and then you are you are there, and they are there, and then I work from home. They were they, they study from home, and you have lunch together, you have dinner together, and you play together. And when you travel around the world, you also do everything together. So, so the question is, does one have a private time at mm-hmm. all? Uh, yes, but very limited. So, and what what does one's social life look like? Um, basically um uh as a kid grow older it's possible to have um sort of like adult conversation with other adults and uh, uh but until then you pretty much uh spend a lot of time with your kids and then you do a lot of things together so we host world schooling families and uh, from uh Europe when they're visiting Taiwan and uh so again, you know they, they work and live together from an apartment, and the mom uh, usually is the mom, and, uh, and travel with the kids around Taipei and around Taiwan and visiting different things together. Um, they do not outsource it to someone else, probably because there is no one else to outsource anyway, because we don't have such infrastructure set up in Taiwan. But part of it is that the, the mom itself is also a curious type. They, she wants to learn. And uh, you know there there are a lot of things you can learn together with your children uh, when you are traveling, and uh, just that you pick up different points. I mean, you may as appreciate the subtleties of the cultural nuances, and they probably won't, or vice versa. I mean, you may be somebody who just appreciate good food and life, and and uh, and and they they are just you know history buff. So so either way, both of you can learn a lot from travel together. But um uh. But one thing is that uh the kids have to be conditioned in a way that they are able to um enjoy the thing that you enjoy together so um again um it's not for every kid not for a parent but if you are uh if you can do it together that's great if not you know do it separately that's just as good as mm-hmm.
0: like Just having this conversation, like so much of this conversation makes me think about that there's this spectrum and why can't we have more experiments on this spectrum? And why isn't the public education changing at least once every 10 years? Like, why isn't it looking different? Um, We are changing once
2: every 10 years. That's why I'm at the National Curriculum Review Board. I'm setting the next 10 years. But ridiculous. I mean, do you think it? Like, but we're just moving very slowly. That's all.
0: Yeah. Why can't it move faster? Like, wh- I mean, is uh,
2: it-, it in in Chinese there's a saying, you know, it's uh, it, it, it takes a long time for a big boat to turn, and uh, when you are facing with uh, uh, K twelve, um, we're talking about um, close to three million students, plus you know hundreds thousands of teachers and and then. Six million parents. <laughs>
0: um, it, it it take a long time to do it. Well, what I mean is, if you had these experiments, right? So the way a scientist would do this is, you have some hypothesis, you yes. run these experiments. Yes. If the experiments gave data that changed your theory, that's right. You would use that in your in your new theory. Yes, so that's what we're doing. Um, do you think it's happening? It's happening.
2: Uh, for example, we have the um, uh, because uh homeschoolers are very much uh self direct um you know self self regulated self determined learner so they plan some of the stuff themselves and uh, and that kind of ideas has implemented starting from twenty nineteen uh into um high school in taiwan throughout taiwan so every week there's at least one period of the class that um students are allowed to set their own goal and agenda to do anything they want. But even that implementation, a simple, humble, small step, uh, has hit some resistance from the parents because they cannot um, comprehend the fact that their kids are going to school for 150 minutes a week, is allowed to think for themselves and decide what they want to do for that fifteen yeah. minutes. They just cannot. Mm. It is insane. Mm. It is blasphemy. Mm. You know, I mean, like, what on earth are the teachers doing? What, are, what on earth are the 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 the, the schoolmasters and and what are those crazy national education commi- re- curriculum review boards are thinking when they let my kids set free for fifteen minutes a week? This is insane, and so. The teachers and the parents are always trying to design something for the kids so that they will not be empty, they will not be in void for that 15 minutes. But but we do that. Um, we try something in experimentation, and it works, and we implement that. Uh, there, are, there are a few other examples, but it takes a while to, to move forward.
1: So um, from my experience, education systems do change, Anna, and the ways of teaching are changing too. When I was in um, primary school or middle school, um, we only teach English for like two hours a week. And right now, English is taught at uh, with more hours. And also, in the past, uh, teachers didn't teach phonics. It was just, you just memorize all of the vocabularies. And then they don't care if you can read English or not. You just as long as you have a big vocabulary, then you're good. And then with mathematics, too, we were given a lot of formulas um, when I was a student. And then um, when it was my brother's time, teachers started to teach students how to deconstruct everything and then reconstruct them. So they're using mathematics um, as a problem-solving technique. So that, that's something new. I, I also agree with Tim that... Changes are being made very, very slowly, but um, I think that's the value of experimental education because when they see positive outcomes from from experimental education, they pick it up and then integrate that into the math education.
0: You know, we haven't talked almost at all about tech. And I'm curious, like, what role is technology playing in these experimental educations and yeah, just how do you see it?
1: And uh, also I have a question. You were talking about um, distribution of different personalities and learning styles, right? And I was thinking like, oh, so maybe in the future we need personalized education. So do you think technology, especially internet, can help with that? Providing personalized education?
2: Hmm. Um, the tech comes uh, in many different ways. Um, the um, if we say the experimental education is t- moving towards a a more individualized and uh, more self direct, self regulated, self determined learning, then the biggest enabling platform, of course, is the internet, which is a depository of m- m- a lot of knowledge. So basically, a free internet, uh, a decent bandwidth, and uh, and and a nice screen, and 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 also device which allow you know always on, uh, constant access, affordable price. Uh, basically, make um, tapping into knowledge much much easier and affordable accessing of knowledge Um, however there are still uh, things that uh, needed to organize and to uh, direct and help uh, individuals to how to go about planning uh, their learning path about how to navigate the knowledge And uh, so technology is important in in one regard uh, it enables all the things out there moving forward um what will technology do to to help the actual learning process um i think it, it probably comes not by technology alone um it, it needs a, a a kind of like a fundamental change in the way that people view learning itself so and i find uh, in this regard um People who are digital native uh, is much more open towards the idea that if they want to learn something, they can just learn it by themselves. And uh, they, f- they are confident, they are comfortable um, because of the te- technology uh, push things moving so fast that they cannot learn a lot of things they would like to learn and uh, from the school. Uh, for instance, the podcast we are listening right now, um, many young people like to be a YouTuber, a podcaster, but school are not offering this kind of uh, curriculum, so they need to learn it by themselves. So so it, it motivates them to do that, and uh, the availability of the content, knowledge out there make it so much easier. But the motivation itself and the skill of how to find the information is still up to the individual to do that, and not so much of a technology. And uh, I think technology will help uh, in the other ways by um, really challenge, um the establishment on a lot of assumptions. So, for instance, um, higher education. Um, that's the one area I'm working on right now. I want to make uh, experimental university. And that's probably an even bigger blast for me. What is that? What is that, exactly? So, if you think about... University, uh, why would they need to do e- experiment? I mean, universities are free to do whatever they want. And, uh, but in Taiwan, the universities are very much constrained by a lot of rules and regulations uh, set by the Ministry of Education. So The government regulates the universities yes, in Taiwan? Yes, yes. So it is said that... <laughs> this is insane. It is said like that there's only one university in Taiwan, it's called the Ministry of Education, and everybody else is just a branch campus. No way. And if you look at, if you look at the, how they're, no the, uh, just, just go to London, any university in Taiwan and okay. look at their curriculum, look at how the classes are set up, how it's structured, how many credit hours does it require to graduate to get a bachelor's degree, it's all identical. Whether it's public or private, one at one twenty eight minimum, and then thirty two is a required credit. Another sixty from your department. Another thirty, which is called elective, but it's required elective, whatever that means. And then. Finally, there's like 20- Required
0: electives. <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> it, 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 it just basically means that, we, you know, we can't give you any more required, but we think it's very important for you to know. So, and then finally, another 20 that you may go and pick as your elective. And then, by the way, there's still a like few more that has zero credit hour, but you must pass before you can graduate. Like the PE classes and stuff like Social that. Social service. Social service. You have to do that, and so so basically every university do the same thing, right? So what really? does that mean? Pub- I mean, like private, private, public, religious really? school doesn't matter. Yeah, if you want to be accredited by the Ministry of Education, you have to follow the rule. So and uh, so experimentation uh, university, experimental university is going to break that. We are going to break rules, and we are going to say. Uh, We're going to say, hey, listen, you know, we think uh, we actually don't even need teachers in the traditional sense. Uh, We don't need lectures. We don't need required courses. Um, There are many MOOCs out there offered by brand universities, um, and and their contents... um, if you are going to teach the same thing, you might as well buy from the best, the best in the world. Yeah, yeah, best in the world, yeah. cream de la crème. And yeah. so, so why bother recreate another cream when it's a sour cream? And then, yeah. so, <laughs> so you, you just buy from them and then use their material. And and then you focus yourself on the thing I mentioned earlier. You really work with the students on how to, you know, carve out or, or, or find a path of the learn uh, the self-directed learning and their self-determined learning and help them to do that and then let the knowledge part and be done by the professional by the experts by the ones that has been tried and tested by ten thousand users don't need to create another lecture that nobody wants to hear
0: yeah like recently i've been watching a lot of lectures online like a lot and the stuff coming out of MIT, for example, or Stanford, there's a few professors that are just, and then there's these people that are not professors that are just YouTubers, right? That create like I was looking at stuff on biology because I was interested in like how m mRNA is working, yeah. And it is so good. Like I'm like, oh my god, I should have loved biology. Like this is the most amazing thing I've seen.
2: Right? Exactly. Yeah. So technology itself, it's um, it's more like em- enabler. I mean, the biggest thing is the availability of content out there. And it's then, just incredible. Unfortunately, our school system or our um, education requirement has constrained to limit students' access to those things because they are not accredited. They are not recognized by the state. They're and just afraid
0: of it. There's good stuff out there.
2: There are a lot of good stuff out there. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's inhaling is good for you too. So, it you know, we are just say that it, you should... Um, so my education is going to allow students to take advantage of taking advantage of the best of the best in the world, and at the same time, to get a credit qualification. Because for the very reason, when you ask the question at the beginning of the, this program, why de- degree important? Because when in Taiwan, it matters. So h- if we can somehow manage the two, let students free to take whatever they want to take on the internet and... Of course we, we have to work with them to make sure that it, it it help towards whatever degree they are going to get and give them a credit degree from the Ministry of Education. And then they can have a good education and without um, suffering too much.
0: So do you know for sure this is gonna work? Like like have you gotten the okay from the Ministry of Education that yes you can you can issue degrees? Yeah. Um
2: I'm also sitting on the review committee for the higher education experimental education, so I know how sausages are made. Yeah. So if anybody is going to make it work, you're probably looking at him right oh. now. Yeah.
0: Well, I'll be cheering for you. Thank you. Yeah. I think this I is I, I was
1: thinking like I'll be supporting you. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Yeah. like uh, is there anything
0: You're so calm. You should say,
1: Yeah, right, right. right. So, <laughs> no, so, I think it's awesome, so my next question is like, how Go. do we how do we make it? Well, how, how do, you do we do it make faster? it real? Like yes. why are you waiting for right. university? What why can't you do it? What support like, do you need from us or from our audience? Like,
0: why don't you start younger? is like
1: because her daughter because uh, his daughter that's is, right his like kids college, are already in college yeah, now right, right. So. so he doesn't care about kindergartens now <laughs> like he shut down his own kindergarten but yeah but what kind of support do you need to make it true
0: yeah that's a good question how can we help okay yeah. um,
1: not yeah. cheering yeah <laughs> right right So not only cheering close to
2: eye and picture this here's my
0: uh, account number
2: no <laughs> <laughs> just kidding <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no, there are there things. me. And, and, and can <laughs> this be global? Like, can can Americans and can you have foreigners enroll think? in Taiwan? Do yes. you yes. Do you yeah. take
1: international advice? I, I will yeah. take
0: international
2: application. Uh, we are going to ask for exemption from the number of foreign student versus Taiwanese mix because right now it's like ninety-five to five.
0: Is it online or is it only in person? Or it will be a hybrid model. Hybrid, uh-huh. yeah, just like everything else in the world nowadays. And uh, you. Try so hybrid. you could do it. Like entirely on the internet. Like somebody could could be living in wherever, Iceland, and take this university. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, because we're going to take uh, the knowledge part from the best around the world. And then we're going to focus on the experience that matters. And uh, of course, you know, like uh, how to help the student to learn and uh, how to... Uh, how to get them to um, to to figure out which is the best path uh, for them to to take advantage of those the so wonderful courses. So, at what
1: stage is your experimental college university?
2: Right. Uh, we are at the stage of a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> <laughs> for those Fun of you, who are, for Ladies those of and you gentlemen, <laughs> he is fundraising right now.
1: Go to his FundMe page.
2: <laughs> for those of you who are familiar with how startup works, yeah. and, uh, we do, we do. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so basically, we are we are in the uh, uh, the stage that we are going to write up a proposal, and then we're going to present to the ministry and the review committee, and uh, and and then. Then once we get approved, uh, we'll start the next phase of setting up the the school, the actual school, and then we we'll, we aim to admit um, our first incoming class in 20, September twenty twenty two. So that's pretty oh, quick. That's it's fast. not that it's f- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we are we are we are g- working as fast as we. can. Oh, I
1: thought myself yeah. would be one of the first. because <laughs> <laughs> he's he is right bad. now at the stage of. Preparing
2: for presentation. <laughs> no. And also, to to quickly answer your question about the um, why I'm not doing younger part, I did. I I, I set up a, a experimental high school for Taipei City Government. Did um, you? Yeah, uh-huh. in 2015. So I'm still going, but I, I quit that job uh, two years ago. And uh, so, um, and and I've been there, done that. And uh, so, and there are many. I mean, in Taipei, there are 17. Uh, experimental institutions uh, for high school and below, and then there are twenty-three uh, experimental groups, i.e., a co-op set up by the parents. So, so the choice is quite plenty, and actually, you may not find the one you want. Uh, but uh, who has anyway? But anyway, <laughs> uh, but you can, but you can still try. Uh, but no one has cracked the experimental university yet. And then after years of working on this, we find. Unless there's an experimental university out there, which allow the students to really follow the path of their learning, their passion, uh, eventually when they get to university in Taiwan, uh, which I described earlier, is very restricted, um, they are just going to get burned out and they're just going to be crushed by the system. So, so we want to we want them to be able to leave the whole. Um, this path of learning uh, with t- some sort of higher education diploma and allow them to set them to, 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 to their next phase of their life.
1: Great, so we talked about the diversity of education and I think the key here is accessibility. I think we should make sure that different education choices are accessible.
0: I actually feel like uh, more people need to know about what you're doing. Thank you. Yes, um, that's why I'm here. I'm doing my road show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking about how, like, so specifically kind of, this is, of course, my American perspective looking at things, right? And uh, I have a lot of friends that are very interested in Taiwan because of how uh, the Taiwanese reacted to the coronavirus. Yes, welcome COVID refugee. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. Now, um, but there's not much exporting going on. It's mm-hmm. not like the rest of the world got better Yeah, from Taiwan. Mm-hmm. And so... Oh, uh, where's the mask? Where's the mask? <laughs> yeah. So, so I think it's quite interesting. Like, is there a way that we can spread um, your university to more places? Because I think that, like, if you really are pulling the best lectures, um, the best material from the internet, then this is sort of like the first... It is the
2: first I, yeah. I I just spoke on the global uh, open education conference which is basically all the MOOC people okay. are there you know so and nobody ever heard of an accredited uh, university that can be um, can draw from everywhere because that's know, what I mean that, that's what everybody' I think still of. offering their own courses yeah. offering their own degree I said this is 21st century 20 years past that and, and who is doing vert- vertical integration? That's right. What the heck? You yeah. know, I mean, you guys, I know you guys been around since 1541 or whatever. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Oxford yeah. College, right? Yeah. Can get real? So, yes, it's very, I mean, uh, this is horizontal. Do you so. have a name for this yet? Uh, right now, the, the the code name is XU, just Experimental XU. University.
1: Okay. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. A so name that you don't like. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. It's okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, he,
1: he, he owns I want right, to let's, let's make it. Okay.
0: it. I
2: want to make it positive. Yeah, This is my please, award, yeah, Like, so. please let
0: us know how we can help. We okay. want to spread this. Uh, Thank you. I really think you have to get this out to as many people as possible because yes. I think this is like, I've been trying to push Taiwan to think about e-residents mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. Estonia. You know, right? How it, yeah, yeah. I know yeah, how Estonia, like the e-university. E- Right. This is it. You, sh- you should push this as hard as you can. Right. Internationally. And it doesn't have right.
1: to be located in Taiwan, right? Headquartered in Taiwan. It has to be
0: a physical location. Well, it's based in Taiwan. Yeah, it has to be based in Taiwan. But you should be global. Right. This right. is I
2: awesome. Okay. You
1: know, this so, is so it's like headquartered in Taiwan, but it's globally well, you get your available. Well, I'm from from just it. thinking about fundraising, you know. Ah. Yeah, who, like, who should he talk to or what kind of connections should we bring him?
0: Um, People pay a lot of money for university. I w- exactly. I <laughs> yeah. wouldn't worry about this. Like, <laughs> right, if you I really <laughs> had a formula... And you could you could provide a degree at the end of this, right. like a real degree, like right. you said, accredited degree, exactly. Accredited yeah. degree. Yeah. I mean, I mean, university is ridiculously expensive. Yeah, okay. uh, I think your business model is easy, right? You just charge for this as an online degree. Actually,
2: we are doing it uh, as a non- not for profit at the moment. Um, I, I I work with the uh, NGO uh, Crossroad, which is. Uh, um, it's an NGO that we're starting right now. So, uh, among other things, also work uh, with Taiwan Go Car Office and other things. So, um, and so part of the appeal uh, the, the is that um, our physical teachers or physical um, lecturers um, will be drawn from all these uh, Go Car holders, yeah. uh, people with all sorts of talents coming to Taiwan. Yeah. And uh, and, and usually when you want to meet those people, you have to fly out to various parts of the world. But all of a sudden you can, you can have an international education right here right. in Taiwan and you meet with those people, you learn from them and you learned your um, sort of basic knowledge online from the best lecture from
0: Stanford, MIT. Okay. Whatever. When you make more progress, <laughs> please come back. And we want to talk again. We want to okay. push you harder because okay. I love this. I think this is so cool. <laughs> okay. Thank you. This is so awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much.
1: Yeah, thank you very much for coming, and uh, we'll make sure that you come back. <laughs>
0: yeah. Okay,
2: I will. Yeah. I will. Thank you.
1: Bye.
2: Bye. I'm Tim Chen. I think the hope to fix the mass education lies in more education choices.
1: happy that he's building a new university and i'm also very happy that my son is young enough to get into that university
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> if he can sustain the business right of
1: course he will
0: <laughs> yeah i think for sure it will work. We'll
1: help him i mean yeah. i will help him i want that for my kids i want that for the next generation yeah,
0: yeah. i mean even if he sold exactly the same product at one tenth the price of mm-hmm. what say you know stanford or harvard like you would, I think you would have more than enough money to get it going. Yeah. I mean, because I think most people stay in college. Uh-huh. Okay, either they're really curious and they love the learning experience or they just want to get that damn piece of paper so they can go get the job. And so if he could solve that problem, like give you this piece of paper that says you graduated, and at the same time, instead of giving a bunch of teachers that have varying degrees of abilities to teach. Like if he could build like the best online courses for different topics and then had a collection of people sort of helping, teaching you, mentoring you to get through this material. To me, that sounds amazing.
1: I think it gives me some ideas for the new episodes. I think that messing around is really important too. (laughs) Goofing around.
0: Yeah. I actually had a hard time when he first was talking about experimental schools because Uh – of course, I really believe in experimenting and trial and error and tinkering, but I think that a lot of people would see this as derogatory. I mean, is this a translation issue, you think? It is. It
1: was, huh? Yeah. Mm. He said that it started in 1930s. Mm-hmm. So someone in the 1930s used the word experiment and then people just keep using it. So And what do the, you think
0: is the right translation? Of innovation. It? innovation.
1: Innovation. Or innovate, innovative. Yeah. yeah. Innovative education.
0: Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I wish they would change that. It took me
1: a while, a while
0: to like <laughs> come around because. So I was also confused at we we're talking about homeschooling. Yeah, but actually, what he's talking about is not homeschooling. He's talking about how do you innovate on education itself.
1: Yeah. Uh, before talking to Tim, uh, I thought of homeschooling as building a classroom at your house, like. Oh like setting up your living room like a classroom. And then, so for me, it's really difficult. It's almost impossible for me to be a mom and a teacher.
0: Well, and working. Yeah. Like, how could you ever do that?
1: No, there's no way I can do it. But then he said that homeschooling is a lifestyle. And then education is an art of possibilities, which is pretty romantic.
0: Was it inspiring for you? Like, did you like, okay, I can try that?
1: No. No. (laughs) No. (laughs) Because <laughs> I know myself too much. I know myself too well. I, yeah. I, I think it's great. But for me, um, it, it's not the right uh, recipe for me and my kid. So I think it's great. And I think that it's encouraging people to think about education um, in a more diversified way. But we need something else.
0: Yeah, I was still a bit surprised when he talked about the numbers. So he was saying there's like 3 million in the U.S., uh-huh. you know, 2 3%, something like that. Right. And then Taiwan had like 8,000, right. which to me, I mean, that's like, that isn't even a rounding error. That's like, so it must be really, really hard to convince the Taiwan parent to yeah. homeschool or to trust alternative, okay, you call them innovative,
1: <laughs>
0: innovative schools. Or do you think, think it's just it's too early?
1: No, no. I, I just think that there are many factors to take into consideration when you want to try homeschooling. For example, you have to have that de- determination. And then you have to be able to tell w- why mass education is failing. And also, you need to have that luxury. For example, you need to be able to spare eight hours a day to educate your kids. And now work from other revenues.
0: Yeah. Maybe next time we can ask him a bit more about where he sees mass education failing. We didn't Mm -hmm. really get there. I'm curious about how he saw that. I mean, of course, I have my ideas of where I think it's failing. seems Mm -hmm. like you have some ideas where you think it's failing.
1: Yeah.
0: I love that he's trying to start from the university. At first, I was like, ah, start earlier. Go to the kindergarten. But I think… The entry point is university because that really actually is what probably half the people that go to university, if they were honest with themselves, they just want the degree.
1: That's true. I, I, I think that's very true. But from most of the interviews I've had with different kinds of people, I think the most valuable part of college time is goofing around with your friends. And then your friends, your college friends are really influential. So that, that's why I am still a little bit skeptical about remote education. Yeah. Because I don't think uh, the, the, the value of universities is all about knowledge. Maybe. I'm not who I am if I meet other people in college.
0: I'm not a video game person. Like uh-huh. when I was young, I played a bunch of video games, way uh-huh. too much, and uh-huh. I kind of quit. Uh-huh. Like they call it quit cold turkey. You just never again. And about six months ago, I put on one of those VR headsets and I watched a movie with my brother. Uh-huh. So he was in California. I okay. was in Taiwan. This was, you know, when the coronavirus, when I was like, okay, I'm not going to be able to go back home this year. Uh-huh. And I wanted to know, like, could you have an experience with somebody you cared about? In the virtual environment oh, yeah, that didn't feel true. like a Zoom phone call.
1: Right, right. So you can still goof around with your friends. It, it was, was VR interesting. and AR and hologram and. It was really interesting. All that. Okay. Yeah, like, yeah, like he
0: was sitting next to me. In this theater and we were talking about stuff and it was pretty cool.
1: You know what's really true about this? So for me, I didn't understand the VR and AR and all of the tools can be helpful in creating an interactive environment, right? So the the, the problem with education is that people from eighties or nineties are trying to solve a twenty-first century problem. Yeah.
0: Uh-huh. I think so. Yeah. I totally think so. Uh-huh. I think the ingredients are there. Like if you combine these MOOCs with some VR, um, maybe you can get enough of that sort of social
1: Right. Dynamic. So I, I think it takes some futurists yeah. to solve futuristic problems.
0: Yeah. Uh, this, this was a, a very hopeful conversation. Like <laughs> the first one we've had in a long time, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think for the first time, we're laughing a lot. That's our, true. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It felt
0: very light towards the end and it felt very... Hopeful. Yeah. Okay. Uh This this might work. This is interesting. Yeah. All right.
1: Let's keep doing this. (laughs) Let's do it. Okay. This podcast is brought to you by Bitmark and Girls in Tech Taiwan.
0: Bitmark uh, was founded from the belief that data is the next major asset class. And so what Bitmark does is create tools for individuals to gain control and access over their data and eventually unlock all kinds of new value in that data.
1: Girls in Tech Taiwan is the Taiwan chapter of a global nonprofit focused on the engagement, education, and empowerment of influential women in technology and entrepreneurship.